0: Chapter Twenty Six of The Copper Princess. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Betsy Bush, October Two Thousand Nine. The Copper Princess by Kirk Monroe. Chapter Twenty Six. First News of the Copper Princess. When Peveril made his miraculous escape from the old mine he left his place of exit open. In his impatience to get away from the scene of his sufferings, he had not even given another thought to the great stone slab that he had raised with such difficulty and precariously propped into position by a few fragments of rock. So the narrow passage leading down from the cavern into the ancient workings that had been so carefully concealed for centuries was at length open to the inspection of any who should happen that way thus it remained during the day of exciting incidents in the cavern, and through the struggle that was ended by the smugglers bearing Peveril away captive to their schooner. Having thus disposed of the person whom of all in the world he most dreaded, and placed him where it was apparently impossible for him to make a claim on the copper princess before the expiration of the term of contract, Ralph Darrell rejoined his daughter. She, noting his excitement and fearing to increase it, made no mention of her own encounter with the other stranger, whose presence in the cavern seemed to have escaped her father's notice. So they only talked of Peveril, and the girl, picturing him as he had appeared on the several occasions of their meeting, wondered if he could really be trying to rob them of their slender possessions, as her father claimed. The latter talked so incoherently of a conspiracy, a contract, and of the great wealth that would be theirs in one week from that time, that she was completely bewildered, and for the first time in her life began to wonder if her papa knew exactly what he was saying. Thus thinking, she soothed him as best she could, and finally succeeded in getting him off to bed. But in the morning the subject was again uppermost in his mind, and he would talk of nothing else. Now he wondered how Peveril could have found his way into the cavern— and as Mary was also very curious on that point, she willingly accompanied him on a tour of investigation. In this search, it was not long before they discovered the upraised stone slab at the rear end of the cavern, and peered curiously into the black passage beneath it, which, from the very first, Ralph Darrell was determined to explore. "'It is a part of our own mine,' he said, "'and so I must find out all about it. There is no danger.' for I can go very carefully, and return when I please. I must go, though, for it is clearly my duty to do so. Who knows but what I may strike another vein down there, as valuable as the one we are already working. So, dear, do you wait here, and I will come back to you very shortly. But brave Mary Darrell would not agree to any such proposition, and declared that if her father insisted on going into that horrid place, she should follow him. So the old man and the girl, the former filled with eager curiosity, and the latter with a premonition of danger, crept under the great slab and entered the sloping passage. They had but a single candle with them, and of this Mary was glad, for she knew it would limit their exploration and compel a speedy return. Both of them being of much slighter frame than Peveril, they found little difficulty in slipping through the passage and reaching the ancient workings to which it led. Here Darrell began to find copper, and went into ecstasies over its richness. Forgetful of everything else, he pushed eagerly forward from one pile of the valuable metal to another, and Mary, inspired by his enthusiasm, almost forgot her dread of the gloomy place in which so much wealth was stored. So absorbed were they that neither of them paid any attention to a dull sound, as of some heavy body falling that came from a distance." Suddenly, their candle burning low, warned them to hasten their return. But to their consternation, when they again reached the end of the passage, they found its entrance closed. The great slab, insecurely supported, had fallen into place, and the utmost exertion of their feeble strength was insufficient to move it. As they realized the full extent of the disaster that had thus befallen them, the girl was awed into a despairing silence, while the old man's impaired intellect... "'gave way completely beneath the awful strain of this situation, and he broke into incoherent ravings. At length Mary Darrell knew that her beloved father had lost his mind, and that she must share her living tomb with a madman. In his ravings he declared that the situation was exactly as he wanted it, for now no one, not even Richard Peveril himself, could share their newfound wealth.' With the next breath he expressed an intention of getting back to the piles of copper as quickly as possible, that he might defend them with his life against all claimants. Terrible as it was to the girl to hear her father talk in this way, his mention of Peveril brought a faint ray of hope. If the young man had indeed gained access to the cavern from this direction, then the old workings must possess some other exit. If they could only discover such a place, it was barely possible that they might still escape." Thus thinking, she humored her father's desire to return to the piles of copper, and even hastened his steps in that direction, for their candle was burning perilously low. So nearly had it expired that they had hardly regained the old workings before its feeble flame gave a final flicker, and they were plunged into blackness. Through this they still groped their way until the old man's strength was exhausted and he refused to go farther. Then— CLINGING TO HIM IN AN AGONY OF DESPAIR, THE POOR GIRL CLOSED HER EYES AND PRAYED. DEAR CHRIST, HELP ME IN THIS TIME OF MY BITTER TROUBLE, FOR I HAVE NO STRENGTH SAVE IN THEE. HER CRY WAS HEARD, AND HER PRAYER WAS ANSWERED, EVEN AS IT WAS UTTERED. FOR WITH THE OPENING OF HER EYES SHE CAUGHT A FAR AWAY GLEAM OF LIGHT. A MINUTE LATER, WHEN RICHARD Peveril CAME TO HER, HE SEEMED LIKE ONE SENT FROM HEAVEN, AND AT THAT MOMENT SHE COULD HAVE WORSHIPPED HIM. Peveril's heart leaped at the sound of her voice, and he received two other distinct thrills of delight from her father's incoherent words. One was when he addressed the slight figure at his side as Mary, and the other was caused by his mention of the copper princess. By the first, Peveril's recently aroused suspicion concerning the sex of the wearer of that golf costume was reduced to a certainty, while by the other he gained his first clue to the mine of which he was in search at the moment however these things merely flashed through his mind for he realized that the present was neither the time nor the place to discuss them the two helpless ones so wonderfully entrusted to his care must be removed at once from the place in which they had suffered so keenly both he and the major agreed that it would be best to take them out by way of the shaft and though they were full of curiosity as to how the Darrels came into their distressing position both manfully refrained from asking questions until they had escorted them to the entrance. For this forbearance the major deserved even greater credit than his young friend, for as yet he had no knowledge of who the strangers were, nor how it happened that they seemed to know Peveril. Arrived at the shaft, it was decided that the major should ascend first, to prepare those at the top for what was coming, as well as to receive the old man who would be sent up next. As he adjusted the rope about his body, he whispered to Peveril, who was assisting him, "'Who are they?' Darrell's was the laconic answer. "'Not old man Darrell of the folly?' "'Yes.' "'And his daughter?' "'I believe so,' replied the young man, at the same time wondering how the other had discovered so quickly the rightful sex of the apparent lad. "'But how on earth do they happen to know you?' they ought to seeing that the old man has shot at me twice while miss darrell and i have met several times and on one occasion at least she saved my life whew no wonder you greet each other like old friends rejoined the major as he swung off over the black pool and began slowly to ascend the ancient shaft when the rope was again lowered it brought some bits of stout cord for which peveril had asked and with these he fastened the old man so securely into the loop that there was no possibility of his falling out. Although Ralph Darrell was still highly excited and talked constantly, he readily agreed to every proposition made by his daughter, and offered no objection to going up the shaft. As he swung out from the platform, and those above began to hoist on the rope, his daughter bent anxiously forward to note his progress. Apparently unconscious of her own danger, she leaned out farther and farther until Peveril fearful lest she should lose her balance and plunge into the pool, reached an arm about her waist and held her. The girl was so intent upon watching her father that, for a moment, she paid no attention to this. Then, suddenly becoming conscious of the strong support against which she was leaning, she quickly stepped back to a position of safety. "'I didn't suppose you would think it necessary to take such care of a boy,' she said with an attempt at dignity. "'I shouldn't,' laughed Peveril. "'But why didn't you tell me yesterday that you were a young lady, and that your name was Mary?' "'I don't remember that you asked me.' "'That's so. It was you who asked all the questions, and I who answered them. So now it is my turn.' "'I shan't promise to answer, though.' "'Oh, but you must, for there are some things that I am extremely anxious to know. "'For instance, why do you dress in boys' costume?' "'Because my father wished me to.' "'An excellent reason. Now I want to know if Darrell's folly and the copper princess are one and the same.' "'I believe the copper princess has been called by that other name, which, however, I will thank you not to repeat in my presence.' "'All right, I won't. But tell me.' "'Here is the rope, Mr. Peveril, and thanking you over and over again for your very great kindness, I will bid you au revoir.' said the girl hurriedly adjusting the loop and preparing to ascend there was never a more amazed or abashed man in this world than was mike connell when the young lady whom he full of curiosity was helping to hoist from the old shaft made her appearance and he discovered her to be the lad whom he had treated with such freedom the evening before he was so staggered that he could not utter a word but simply stared at her with an expression in which mortification and admiration were equally blended the moment the girl gained a footing on the surface, she made a comprehensive little bow to the men assembled about the shaft-mouth, and said, "'My father and I thank you, gentlemen, from overflowing hearts, for your great kindness to us, and shall hope to see you at our home for supper, after you have been rejoined by Mr. Peveril. Come, Papa, let us go and make ready for company.' With this, she led the old man away in the direction of his folly." Half an hour later, the four men from White Pine were received at the door of the Darrell house by a dignified young lady, simply but becomingly dressed in the usual costume of her sex. Looking directly at one of them, she said, I bid you welcome, Mr. Peveril, to your own copper princess. End of chapter 26